Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter <laughs> Podcast. My name is Ash and I'm joined by three members of my firefighting family. We just did our podcast just now. Hmm? We just did our podcast just now. Yeah, I know. Well, we didn't hear the Should have recorded so. the last 30 <laughs> yeah, minutes. <I> <laughs> uh, so I've got Scott. Hey there. Looking mighty tan. Yeah, oh, mighty sunburn. Yeah. Uh, we've got Todd. Hello. And we have Rob. Hello. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we've got a good topic here to come up, but first uh, we got some news. Uh, what do we got going on? Some stadiums are on fire. Yeah, all of them. Mm-hmm. No, no. I thought it was going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the uh, breaking news. Oh, man, that's yeah, the breaking, breaking Chris Rock's face news. <laughs> Keep my stadium's name out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so anyways. Bad boys. Bad boys. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we may have posted something. Just tonight. Yeah. <laughs> a little meme, so. I don't know if that's actually news. Yeah, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in case no one knows this. Slap heard around the world. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, stadiums are on fire. <laughs> yeah, so there's been a couple. Um, Is it Denver Broncos? Was Yeah, the Mile High Stadium. Yeah, mm-hmm. A bunch of seats were on fire. Yeah, I was briefly looking at it. Something to do about a suite that... Yeah. Was on fire that extended into the seats. Obviously, they're plastic, so they burn real easy. So yeah. a mm-hmm. lot of fire and black, heavy smoke. And it's funny uh, when I used to work at concerts, we used to have fire drills and stuff. I'm like, why are we doing this? <laughs> I'm like, literally, it's a building, like it's a cement building mm-hmm. filled with plastic seats that will never burn. And then I saw that, I'm like, oh, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> All these years later. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then what, the other one was uh, Scotia Bank. Yeah, where the Raptors playing? Yeah, the Raptors yeah. were playing, and I guess they were playing the music a little too loudly, and it caught a speaker on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they had to evacuate that? They had to evacuate that, and they yeah. had a Toronto Fire, I guess a Toronto Fire repelling team come in and extinguish that. Yeah, because the speakers wouldn't be easy, like, they wouldn't be easy to just take down. Yeah, for sure. They're not hung like a concert speaker where you just lower it on a chain. It's like yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're there's like, a little bit of a walkway, uh, permanent, up, up yeah. just above yeah. the speaker too, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, pretty interesting. Reminds me of that stadium fire that we reviewed on uh, one of That's our right. tone drops, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we haven't done in a long time. Jocko. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was just before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of our tone drops, we talked about that stadium fire in uh, England. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, obviously, that was a much older. Um, fire. Stadium, fire, stadium yeah. made out of wood, a much older fire, much older stadium made out of wood, and uh, they had a lot of debris behind it. I guess it's a, <clears throat> I mean it's a thing, obviously, because it's happening. But um, evacuating those could be a challenge. Yeah, it's crazy. So watching the video of the one in Toronto, so they were, um, like the Mile High one. Was there people in the stadium at the time? There was. I think they were in a suite. Mm-hmm. And I think it said about a hundred people. Other than that, it was empty. It was empty, yeah. Where it was mid game, mid game, uh, yeah, at the Raptors there, yeah. and um, when they announced it over over the PA, the was first thing fire. was like, <laughs> boo, and like no one wanted to leave, <laughs> and then people did start to take it a bit more serious, obviously, and they did file out, and everything was good. Um, it took them a bit of time to extinguish and make make safe. Uh, but then they completed the game without any fans in yeah. attendance, um, which obviously is a bummer for everybody that purchased mm-hmm. tickets. <laughs> but, I mean, that just goes to show something small. The initial reaction, people didn't want to leave. So imagine trying yeah. to herd however many thousands <clears throat> upon thousands of people. I don't know how much Scotia, you know, Scotia Bank can hold, but a lot. That's 15,000, 20,000 people. Got to be, right? So trying to herd all, all those people out. Imagine that fire was bigger and people were panicking. Maybe yep. you get that you know, Station Street fire we talked about also. That's right. With that little uh, Station Street station. The station pub, pub yeah. yeah. Um, fire where the um, Great White North was playing. Yep. Um, and all those people became, became trapped. Mm-hmm. Years ago, like in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, those big crowds are they're not easy to control. I guess the biggest concern there was that speaker is so high up. If it actually catches fire and burns through, yeah. you've got all that debris that's going to fall on somebody. So yeah, yeah like obviously it's going to be rigged up there, yeah, fairly safe. But if it's, you know, involved, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, there's definitely going to be debris 
or the entire thing will burn itself and <clears throat> it could br- break itself away from its rigging. So, yeah, I mean, it was the right safe. It was the safe thing to do. Um, and everybody did, you know, oblige and leave um, in a relatively quick manner. But, yeah, could have been a lot worse. Um, and again, like Scott says, if it was bigger uh, and you get that panic, I mean, that's a completely different thing. So I saw a post from somebody somewhere and they said, how do you how do you train for this? Mm-hmm. You train like you normally train and take it one step at a time. Yeah, I mean, obviously there there I assume that there's some sort of safety plan in place for the facility. Um, or for the evacuation. Yeah, for yeah. the the evac portion of it. Um, just like us here, like we train for what we have. We have our residential. We have <clears throat> our industry. Um, that's what we train for. They have a lot of these larger facilities in the uh, Toronto area there. So I'm sure in their training somewhere in their SOGs, they, they have a response plan for it. That's going to be part of their uh, pre-plan. Yeah, it's all part of their, their complex uh, structure issues, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know when, like, again, when I used to work concerts, it was like we'd have to have very strict, like, how many people are in the, on the floor because... I don't know if you guys are aware, the entrance the entrance to an arena is called a vomitorium. A vomitorium. <laughs> a vomitorium for Roman hmm. days. Right. They, they said that there was a rumor that it was because that's where they used to vomit, but no, it's actually, it just means where matter flows or where things flow through. Right. So it's so you, you nickname it the vom. So the voms can hold a certain amount of people. Um, so when you're, well, obviously when they're wider, they can hold more people. Right. But that's, so you have to kind of gauge based on how many people are on the floor, how, how many entrances and exits you need to, because right. in a panic, people are just like, ah! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we all know that. Right. Yeah. So, I guess that's kind of news. Um, prior to going uh, live here tonight, we, we haven't been all that busy <laughs> lately, no. the last week or so. Uh, we were crazy busy there, and then just kind of kind of settled back, back in. We had a, uh, MVI, or a false MVI, uh, we had a car fire. We had actually we had a car fire that Todd refused to call in. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just reaching for it. Right. I was reaching for the phone. I was driving up early, early in the morning, going uh, going up out of town for this uh, this uh, meeting I had to go to, and and sure enough. See this glow, and it's still pitch black in the morning. I see this glow across the the valley on the other side of the highway. Looking at, it, I was like, ah, it's probably a big bush pile, right? Burning, burning pile. Tis ah, the season. Tis the season, right? I'm looking, I'm like, ah, oh, it's pretty big. It could be a car fire. I mean, it is Oliver. <laughs> 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 I'm looking, looking, like, ah, it's pretty early to message everybody. So I was like, ah, what the hell? I'm re- reaching for my phone. Just then I see taillights going up to it, and sure enough, then your tones went off for it. So I was like, ah, good, I didn't have to call it in. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to start looking pretty fishy. Exactly, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, so we had that, um, and then we've had a whole bunch of medical calls, which is obviously what uh, you know we were expecting to have to have happen after going FR. Um, and we've just been chatting about um, SOGs and, um, like, all of the you know rules in place right now because of covid and what that's going to look like on the back end of covid or if anything's going to change mm-hmm. and um we actually have had somebody reach out to us um that uh wants to come on and have a chat about it uh which uh i mean we can do ours tonight and uh then we can maybe have a chat with them and see what they say yeah that's right so basically yeah we're kind of talking about the when some of these COVID restrictions, not really restrictions, but um, the uh, policy procedures for um, safety and PPE, like when, when's that sure. going to start changing as far as FR calls go, right? And currently in BC, our standard is still the same. Like, so we still do um, our safety doorway assessment, patient assessment uh, to relate back to what PPE we need to wear for, sure. for the patient contacts. Um, things a bit more relaxed as far as uh, masking and stuff, but we still have to wear Mm-hmm. Where our procedure masks and stuff. For and sure. if they have any sort of illy call or influenza like illness, um, then we have to up it to N95 or half mask respirator and face shield, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then we're kind of talking a bit about, well, I guess just kind of the 
how all that works with the FR world as far as, well, I guess kind of you, you guys doing new to FR, you don't really have department SOPs or anything in place for how you want to roll it. There is still, you guys are still following all the FR guidelines for sure. from the ambulance service, um, but it's not as easy as that. Like there's a lot more little things that, you know, these calls dictate, right? Like um, how many people are responding, you know, um, you know, if you have a member who's close by, if it's a, a cardiac arrest, you know, what if, if you're going to go there and, and be that first person to jump on the chest, you know, you're going to, the outcome is going to be great. Right. But then w what's the right move, right? What's the, what's the best procedure? Yeah, do you wait for the crew? Do you, do you, being a neighbor of this event, which I've had, to, I've had that happen to myself and I've gone and, and done CPR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so now like, what's the, what's the best rule, right? Yeah. And sometimes the call, it doesn't. Like it'll come in as like the per like it'll come in as a patient's unconscious. Yeah. Okay. Well, that could be hundred different reasons. Mm -hmm. So and half the time it's wrong. Yeah, half the time it's wrong. <laughs> and wrong. And so yeah, like yeah. yeah, you know, we we've been having this kind of debate because we have you know we have a big fire district and one of our you know one of our guys it lives in the north and that tends to be where the kind of the older population lives. There's a lot of uh, yeah. Yeah, elderly communities in yeah. there. So you know he, he he tends to go sometimes like uh like as a lone responder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it's not the best, but it's also like, you like, you know, if you can get on the chest early, you could make a huge difference. For make sure. a huge difference. Yeah. And when the calls come in, even the other day we had a call came in as a, it was a traumatic injury. Right. Okay, yeah. Well, traumatic injury to me, I'm like, Oh, does that going to require stop the bleed? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he has some of the stuff. I don't know how much stuff he has on him, but you know, he has, you know, he has a small medical kit in yeah. his car. Yeah. Like if he goes there and the guy's bleeding, you know, just direct pressure on it right away. Mm. I don't know if he probably has a trachea. I'm, I'm assuming, but it turned out when he gets there, it's a totally different call. It's For like sure it the guy had a had a it was a, a, an earlier in the day trauma. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so it was like, you know, it's hard to gauge because we could we could be like, well, if you hear it's a CPR call or if it's massive hemorrhage, go. But, but it never comes in as that. Always come in <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come in as that. Like I so said, that's the problem with because a lot of times, even in the ambulance, we just have a very small snapshot on our mobile yep. pad yeah. of what the event is, mm -hmm. all depending on the MPDS system and on how it's dispatched. So if you don't get specific words, that call taker is going to cue that call differently. Yeah. Well, and sometimes ours comes in the CPR slash OD. Yeah. yeah so that's it's like just the heading of the. MPDS. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you, you hear that you're like hey. Is it CPR? Is it OD? And then why is yeah. it? If it's an OD, is it an OD based on the fact maybe it's a drug dose and we don't want to send? Mm -hmm. And you know, I guess shouldn't we go in there by himself? And it's hard for us too because we don't. Well, us the FRs, um, we don't have mobile CADs similar to the ambulance. Yeah. You can, a lot of departments do, but that's right. a big ticket item. Like, that oh yeah, that's a like lot. a big city item. Yeah. So we have the RIPA strips, right? So the yeah. initial uh, report that gets faxed by dispatch. Um, and generally, so you'll have your top heading, your MPDS code, uh, so your medical priority dispatch code of what it is. Like you said, it's whatever, 28 Charlie something. So it's a short of breath. Um, then the letter dictates a different level of distress in that <clears throat> event. And you're going to have these, like a CPR slash OD or whatever it may come in as. Um, and what happens a lot is we look at that, but we don't read that next paragraph or the next line, or we don't have it yet. Depending on the pre-alert, it's called. So if, when the 911 call comes in, you'll get a pre-alert, boom, yeah, okay, this is a, a red or a purple event. Um, you get that critical information, so that's called a, an overdose cardiac arrest. That comes out, and everybody gets sent right away yeah. as they're still getting more information. Mm -hmm. So depending on your response time, if you guys are rolling out the door very quickly, you may not have that other update yet. And not right. having a mobile CAD, you're definitely you're not going yeah. to get it. Mm -hmm. Right, so again, then that's doesn't show us the, the full picture, which sucks. Right, and that's where we roll in. We're like, this isn't an overdose, or this isn't you know unresponsive person. Yeah. So it, it changes a lot, and right. that's where I mean, like it's hard to. It's hard to make a hard and fast rule. It is, yeah. and I always think back to when we went out to our attack with Dr. Nick. Like, we talked about the communities and critical events. Like, how do you want to? create your organization to get these best medical responses, right? Like, because there's a lot of evidence of getting on scene fast, yeah. CPR, ventilation, whatever. Um, so do you, 
like I think one of the conversations I remember Dr. Nick was saying, okay, some departments will have certain trucks or certain people will have certain equipment if they're on that shift yeah. and they'll respond because they're closest. Right. And then, you know, and part of me, I'm almost thinking like, do we update his medical kit a little bit more thoroughly? For sure. Right. That, but then that is an option. But there's other guys that live out there and now we're going to make all those guys have medical kits too? Yeah. Where do you stop? And some of those yeah. guys are um, not as experienced medical. Yeah. And are they going to start trying to go direct? And, and like, then you run into lone responder problems, yeah, safety problems. Or do we say, well, yeah, if there's two of you out there, both you guys go. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then now we're gonna get now we get starting guys with no PPE on. Yeah. And yeah. in weird various outfits. Yeah. <laughs> and, not that, and that's the problem in the world we live in now. Like pre-COVID, it wasn't that big of a deal. It would yeah. as long as you have some iPro, you know, maybe a mask in your pocket, but. Majority of it was iPro and gloves. Gloves. That's yeah. all you had. That's all you mm-hmm. needed. But now we got these impermeable gowns. You've got a respirator and N95. You have to wear a face shield. Like there's so much more to it. If it's a uh, what's deemed a high risk particulate call being cardiac arrest, for example, mm-hmm. right? So right. that is like mm-hmm. the highest risk for particulates or for particulates right. airborne. Um, and yeah, so again, like how how do you make that hard and fast rule? You can, but it's delaying care. In today's world, on the EHS side, cardiac arrest, is that full gown or is that... Yeah. Yeah, it is, right? Cardiac arrest is still full PPE. Mm -hmm. Do you think that'll ever change? I think it could. I don't want to say it will. I I really don't know. It's all going to be evidence based on on the risks, right? It's all going to be a a risk factor. That's going to come from our medical directors. Um, Yeah, will, will we ever see that world come back? to how we were I don't know because you walk into an eMERGE you do these you run a cardiac arrest or a major trauma in an eMERGE you're everybody's gowned up full right. PPE right. but that is such a controlled environment where our scenes are so dynamic yeah. it may not exactly. just be in a house it's in a ditch in a backyard mm-hmm. you know like there's so many yeah, other yeah. issues going on right mm-hmm. and yeah. environmental too like think of the PPE that we were just in this last summer in the heat dome yeah you're sweating your bag out you're dripping like, yeah. you're literally losing so much fluids, yeah. sweating. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a way more dynamic scene. It's not as easy to say, yes, you have to have this. Yeah. You know, and that's why we're asking for first responders to come. We're asking for a second ambulance or third ambulance to come because you're doing CPR yeah, the for 30 minutes crazy. in yeah. 40 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Well, then when we were also talking about the effectiveness of the CPR they use now, because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of been proven that continuous CPR is the best for the heart. Yeah, right now with 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 our stuff, it, it, continuous compressions is, is ideal. Yeah. Um, but because of COVID, they changed it, right? We changed it because we wanted you needed to sec- secure that airway before you're starting to um, do the the compression because you had to cover the cover the mask or cover the mask, cover the face. Um, let's let's say okay, the scenario is you roll up first on scene and you don't have a bag load mask, you don't have enough people for a bag load mask and it's just mm-hmm. a secure airway, right? right? So now we had to cover... By secure, you mean like an IGEL? Yeah, so an IGEL or, or um, um, at the time there were some Kings and stuff, but now it's all IGELs. But not just a bag load mask over the face. Exactly, and so, and, and, you needed, and you needed the viral filter right. in place as well. Right. So an OPA is not a secure airway? No. Yeah. No, so we wanted to, you want to put that airway in place with the filter to catch as much of those um, uh, particulates as possible. Uh, because we, as we know, as we do compressions, it's just pushing everything out, right? right. So mm-hmm. it's the most hazardous um, job. So yeah, it's, if you don't have that manpower, I don't know, it's, it's a back to that risk versus benefit, right? Like, okay, hey, I'm a block away from this cardiac arrest and I know the, the, the duty crew or the FR crew is gonna take 10 minutes to get here. Whereas, hey, I know I can go do compressions. Ten minutes yeah. to good chest compressions. But now with this world we live in, with the PPE, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's challenging. It's a tough call. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that there's so many what-ifs and there's so, there's so many variables when it comes to each individual call, each individual member that might be <clears throat> going to that call. Like we can look and take that like overall snapshot of like we have one guy that has been doing a bit of this and he's very high you know he's very highly trained he 
is he was one of our officers for years. Like he's not a rookie. Yeah. But does that breed other people to start going down that same path? I think Scott was saying mm-hmm. that earlier, right? It's just mm-hmm. I I do worry about okay, like now here's me a three year you know firefighter that has a little bit of medical now i think i'm gonna go and then here's this other guy that oh well now that guy's going i've been here for six months i just took my fr class passed i've got my fr and it's a half a block from my house now i'm gonna go it doesn't mean you can't do chest compressions but now you get the you get ptsd coming in possibly mm-hmm. you got uh, possible um hazards like you you actually roll up and you're like it's not it's not oh, grandma's house it's yeah. It's kind of a sketchier house. Mm-hmm. Well, then, okay, now you got to do your scene assessment. Mm-hmm. Am I going there or not? Um, and, and that's just it. Like, when, so for us um, in the province, like, we have, to, we have very strict guidelines of rules um, yeah. with lone responder stuff. Right. Like, we had to take specific lone responder training and everything else yeah. um, for it. Because in my role, <laughs> I respond by myself. Yeah. And it's extremely challenging when yeah. it's a sick call or if you have to do critical interventions. And you're by yourself. It's very right. challenging. So it's a real mindset. You have to really change that mindset of, okay, normally I'd be doing all these other things, but now I can't do yeah. that. I have to do th- this space. portion yeah. to stay safe, keep myself safe, <clears throat> right? So and it also falls to the volunteer aspect of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and because you, your job is your job. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can go lone responder, but we have a guy who's like, like he could be... You might not even hear a page. You may just mm-hmm. like someone drops like if someone drops in front of you, I can be like, I'm gonna wait for the FR guys to get here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, really, right? we're, gonna, we're gonna be good mm-hmm. and jump on. <clears throat> then as soon as the pager goes off, now is he working? Like, now you're getting into that weird realm of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not off duty because we're always on duty. Like volunteer firefighters, we're always on duty. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're never off duty mm-hmm. unless we're literally outside of our fire district. Then we're off yeah. duty. I'm trying to explain that to people. Like, right? so and even then, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're just minding our own business going to, you know, Kelowna. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're first on scene for a... Yeah, we're a motorbike. Or, yeah, right? Yeah. So we go up and do our thing. So are we off duty? Or are we good Samaritans? Because we, like, we have these skills. Yeah. Gets, uh... Yeah, I was going to ask about the legality. If you're responding lone responder, you're in your personal vehicle, you're... Mm-hmm into somebody's house your you know yeah. all of this stuff what yeah, for sure. legalities are we covered That's through right. our employer or are we covered through good samaritan well i feel like if you're getting paged out yeah then it's like now you're, you're responding now you're responding as a but i wonder if something happens yeah. now heaven forbid you have to go to court and you're asked well how did you get there right yeah uh, yeah, and, that, and that's the caveat, right? Like, you know, if, if you're toned out and you go, you know, as a lone responder because you're close by, but you, the only reason why you're going is because the pager went off. Now, technically, you're going as that member of the department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think on a legal side. Are you SOPs? Are you not? Like. Yeah. Like, on a legal side, it wouldn't be criminal. It would be uh, civil. And that falls to reasonableness. So, I. I yeah, I'm not a judge, but I would assume that would be the reasonableness. It's, how it's it more be like, so yeah. if you were injured or exposed. Yeah, more yeah. coming back yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you had a, a, you a body somebody. fluid exposure yeah. or yeah. a yeah. chemical yeah. disease exposure or an injury mm-hmm. because you went there by yourself. Yeah. Now, I guess yeah, you're you're hung on your own, hundred yeah. percent. Like it works safe. And you know, as long as everyone knows that. Right. Yeah. You know. But again, I mean, you made a good point. Like, you know, you're exposing yourself to a lot of risk. And not only just to that stuff, what we just talked about, to, you know, PTSD, like just the, the stress of these things, like being by yourself, it's a whole new level of stress. Yeah. So, and let, I mean, the individual we're talking about, he does have a ton of experience, so he knows how to guard himself and, and to deal with these, but does everybody? Yeah. And, you know, we've talked to him mostly about this and he's like, you know, I'm, he's like, I'm prepared, like, to do it. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. we're like, yeah. Like, he, and he understands the legality, like, the liabilities and yeah. all, like, he, he knows he's in the gear and it's like, yeah. It's a tough one because you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to say no. Mm-hmm. Like, you never want to have a hard, fast, like, no. Because mm-hmm. then, then they find out later, oh, that, that person would have been saved if, if this person would have went 
Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about PTSD. Well, there you go. And that's it. Works. You just created that guilt. Yeah. Exactly. Now now I have all this self guilt as well. If I would have just went there, Mm -hmm. I could have made that difference. Or treat every call as just unique and be like. You know, I mean, we trust, like, like, I always come back to, like, in my other line of work, we trust our guys with guns. Mm-hmm. Like, I trust you to make a decision. Yeah. yeah. So, we trust our guys with, you know, million-dollar piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I trust them to make a decision at the time to be like, yeah, go or no go. It's like, hey, it's like, no or go or no go. Hey. <laughs> Rather than a whole uh, house on fire with, with flames coming out the window, we have, like, a, a patient inside, go or no go. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know we do have somebody else on like the polar opposite end of yeah. our district who's also very well trained. Who's also very very well trained. Um, and he and, usually asks. Yeah, so I actually really like what he does, and he's got a radio because of where he lives. He comes across a lot of our accidents. Yeah. So he will radio and say, "Hey guys, it's me. I'm here. I'm about to come across the scene. Do you want me to stop?" Yeah. And whatever it might be, and I don't think there's ever been a time where like, no, no, you just keep on coming. <laughs> no, I've yeah, got exactly. this. No, every time it's absolutely. Let me know what we're you know coming up on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that gives us um, like we know that he's there. We know what he's doing, right? So I don't know. I don't want to say he's covered, but like, well, it's helpful to us. And that's why they, that's there. why both those individuals have radios. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other guys that open those areas that we don't get radios to because they're more junior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're like, we don't really want them to go direct. Yeah. Yeah, but like, like they, oh, well, there's been numerous incidences where those individuals have stopped for MVAs, for prime example, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and done that initial IC size up, right? Yeah. Relay that information off, and that's a huge benefit. Right. For sure. And yeah. the one particular event, which I recall, um, Kevin made that call and called it in on the radio, literally yeah. as it was coming in with nine one one as well, right. and that right there dictated our response from the ambulance from right. my station, because right. uh, they we only sent one car. There was the MCI. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then I heard that, and oh, okay, so I started rolling, called dispatch, and started getting all the resources, and you guys started arriving, and right. yeah. and without that, if we didn't have that, it would have caused so much more of a delay. Um, for that initial two medics that rolled up. For sure. It would have changed a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really would have. Mm-hmm. So maybe it just comes down to... <laughs> yeah. Each call is... Uh, Unique. Yeah. You know, I'm still in town. I'm kind of like, you know what? There's enough resources in this town, like in our town. Yeah. Like there's enough guys local. I don't know if you necessarily need to be going... Like if, if we're in town, do you need to be going direct? For sure. Mm-hmm. Because you know the truck's going to be there in two minutes. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you start getting in the outer areas, but then we, we have to get a cut off. Like, oh, yeah, at this point in the town, yeah. <laughs> you know, road whatever. Yeah. Now, now it's, uh, now you can go alone. Or is it right next door? It's right next door. It sounds like it's cardiac. Mm-hmm. Ambulance isn't there. Should you go? But then you don't know if it's mm-hmm. cardiac. It's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, you know, there's a lot of things that individual can do, though. Like, even if they are right there, um, you know, they can get on the radio. They don't have to do necessarily patient contact. Sure. They can relay that information out, and that's going to be just as, as resourceful as sure. anything else. Because mm-hmm. as you guys know, depending on how the call comes in, uh, sometimes it could just be like a life alert button or whatever, um, and then it paints way more of a picture for the responding units. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's one of those things you just need to, everybody needs to stay aware of the risks and continue what you're doing, what you're always trying to do, like any other fire scene, right? Yeah. yeah Evaluate. Sure. And, yeah, we're, uh, we're treating this a lot differently, but it's not really that much different than a fire or, yeah. or an MVA mm-hmm. um, in that there's stuff that you can do, um, like relay information, assist. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of this stuff's still fairly new to us again, so maybe yeah. X amount of months down the road we'll do a review and... Yeah, we haven't had a, do a I, review. There hasn't been anywhere where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, well, yeah. that went sideways. Let's For sure. I mean, no. it might happen one day, mm-hmm. but it has never happened with uh, any of them going direct to calls, like fire calls mm-hmm. or no. accidents. No. Um, yeah. Problem is, what happens is, yeah, there might be more, like, so one guy goes direct, but then now another guy's like, well, I'm just on the road too. So then he goes direct. And yeah, then next yeah. thing we got five trucks at a, at <laughs> yeah, some house, and, that, yeah. and then we're, we're stopping paramedics from coming in, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of a, lo- a lot of departments. I think more so in the states. The PVs. Where personal vehicles. Yeah, where mm-hmm. they they just respond. They've got all oh, man, all like, their gear. I'm yeah. looking at these. I'm on like some volunteer fire site yeah. on Facebook, and they're like. What do you guys roll with your P your your PV POV. and like your your POV yeah your POV yeah I'm like what my my point of view what I've, I've seen like, some yeah. I've seen First some trucks outfitted with oh, man. like I'm wearing lights and lights than we have on our fire trucks I mean no which is, I know I do not want to get into that that's a freaking nightmare scene yeah <laughs> just people are driving around code three everywhere <laughs> that would be crazy <laughs> yeah you know I, I was on scene of. Uh, I think I talked about this in the past on a homicide in Oregon, and oh, yeah, your, uh... the first truck that rolled up was like a '93 Dodge Extended Cab with a lift kit, and this big old guy jumps out. He was an FR and grabbed this massive trauma kit from the back of his truck and waddled over to me, like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> this <laughs> is happening. This is happening." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, again, so that was a personal vehicle rolled up. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact role. I think he was an FR with the fire department. And, uh, yeah, he rolled up in his personal vehicle, and then, I don't know, five, ten minutes later, then the ambulance came, and five guys jumped out of that, and, and there's 30 police cars and everything else. But, yeah. yeah, he was the first truck on scene. It was just a personal vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to get into that stuff. That's but. For sure. Yeah. You get the entire scene cluttered up with half of our members and their per, you know personal vehicles. Um, I don't think that would happen, though. I mean, the way no. you guys have it set up with the... Uh, with the FR crews and everything, it, it works well. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and we've purposely given those two on either end of the town, like kind of, uh, they're almost like, they're almost like officers. They're For almost sure. like, well, one guy was an officer. Like, well, and the other guy was an officer in yours. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they are yeah. like officer level. Yeah. So it's like we've given them that kind of unofficial responsibility of you're, you're like the, mm-hmm. you're like the north and south officers. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, we've come up with no solutions. Yeah, no, <laughs> we are no further ahead. <laughs> no, I think but, it just goes back to like you said. You just I think every you need call to be aware, there. and every call is mm. like that, right? Like you just have to have to do that risk versus benefit analysis and risk analysis, and away you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like Rob, Rob was saying, we've only been doing this for half a year now. Um, Scott says we haven't been bitting the ass. Like nothing's gone south. Um, we can just continue to evolve and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm sure we can eventually come up with some SOPs, uh, get, get some things at least on paper. Um, we definitely have to build, build on that. Um, but, but you also have to keep your SOGs or SOPs, uh, pretty, um, vague. Yeah. Then, yep. then that's when the courts yes, <laughs> start right. being like, oh, I hear it says you so, can't so go. Right, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the other way, yeah. it's like, oh, well, you, there's really nothing here. So, yeah. Your boots. <laughs> yeah exactly. So that's kind of that. Uh, we were chat- chatting about that before we, we hit the old record button. Um, we've also been shifting towards our wildland forestry season uh, coming up here. Uh, we've had uh, a couple of uh, burning complaints, a, a small grass fire already. Uh, we kind of always get that March, April kickoff to the season. Um, kind of before all of the like moisture comes, we're not really getting the rains yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like the snow has been melted now. We're getting those warmer days. Um, so that's been on the forefront of our mind. We're getting our uh, bush truck dialed up for the summer. We're getting our side-by-side dialed up for the summer. Uh, and we had a couple members away on a course over the weekend, which is um, just a bit more of an addition to what we already do, but um, to get a little outside flavor, uh, just so we're not always the ones p- putting it on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know they took a. It was a, it was the uh, WSPP one one five. It was a structure protection course. Um, I think it it kind of sounded like from what you were telling because I'm away, but it sounded like. A lot of stuff we already do, but yep. then with the more um, kind of sprink- a little bit of sprinkler heavy on the second day. Yeah, so it sounded like the first day again. Like I just got the five five minute update when when the boys got back to town. But uh, the first the first day was the um, like that classic death by you know PowerPoint, getting all of the information classroom stuff out of the way, um, which is really good. Um, sounds like there was a lot of solid information that was given. Uh, and then day two, which was today, 
um, they were all doing scenario based stuff. So everything was out in the field, uh, boot, you know, boots, boots on the ground, spread in line, um, which sounds uh, like it was really well uh, received, very heavy on the sprinkler protection, um, as well as like we've tried it in the past with like the bump, bump and run stuff, um, keeping yourself uh, mobile and ready to fight. Uh, but then if that truck needs to leave, getting that sprinkler set up. So uh, there is protection as well. So um, one of the good stories, uh, Jay, one of our officers that was over there, uh, he actually got to be IC for the like the big end of the uh, and right. nice. end of the event scenario, um, and sounds like it went really well. Um, they had their their uh, scenario. There was a bunch of like team team uh, leaders, and then they had X amount of people work you know work uh, that worked under them. Um, he didn't really dive into what it was all about, but saying like how useful sprinklers and a single pump can be on these mm -hmm. massive events uh where like you know if you're out there ahead of the fire but you know you have those predictions that is coming towards you if, if you can get those things set out in place um you can free up the engines so they're not tied yeah. uh, which is really really good um and the other thing that was that was neat is he was explaining that i think he said there was like something like 20 lengths or whatever it was of uh inch and a half and then that would have all of the uh water thieves in them they had econoline spread and they basically had a grid that they had to go and you know protect and they had x amount of holes available um and they took the first one was they used all of it so they had all all of this hose out and then they looked at the area and they ended up being able to remove nine lengths of hose and yeah. still get the same amount of protection. So, like, how efficient can you be? Just because you have all of it doesn't mean you have to spread all of it. Like, you yeah. can, you know, stretch nine fewer lengths. And it sounds like there was even, like, they, they could have gone better. But they, they managed, in their scenario, to remove nine lengths out of it. They think they, they removed one pump um, and got the same, the same effect. Like, there was so much redundancy uh, for a fact that um, once they kind of stripped it down, it was right. still very, very functional, very, very efficient. Um, so yeah, some some really good shit that they brought that they brought back. Uh, which coming into April and May, that's going to be our 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 heavy heavy focus. Yeah, yeah, I know that's one thing we learned uh, a couple years ago when we did um, our sprinkler protection course as well. Was the first scenario we had so many hoses and so many sprinklers up on all these buildings. And the overlap of the sprinklers was just ridiculous. So for sure. Then the second round, same thing. We cut a ton of it out, and still just as effective. And we saved way more time. Yeah. Way less sprinklers, way less hose. And down and to way one more pump, water. one bladder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was it was pretty interesting actually just to learn that for sure because uh, that was new to us at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then sure as shit, this last summer we used that. Yeah. Um, we had our sprinkler protection line set up on your big fire that came in right. down south. Yeah. Um, and that worked out huge. Like we had all of our engines totally freed up, ready to go. We had two bladders and that was it really. Yeah. And then we didn't even spray any hand lines. Mm -hmm. The fire just came right up to us and died down and okay, wrap it up. We went. Yes. Perfect. So it's uh, it definitely serves its purpose. I know, uh, you guys have had the same discussion, possibly purchasing some sprinklers and stuff. And, and we're going to purchase some more, uh, not a ton, but uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that's useful. that's kind of key, right? Like, you know, you guys had access to like the big trailer with yeah. all the gear, um, and that in itself is awesome. Like, that's for like massive events, mm -hmm. but for a localized event, like even like our our event here last last summer was big. Like, it was mm -hmm. there there was a lot happening, but all of those extra resources come. So we don't need to have all of those resources. If we ha if, if if we can build a smaller kit um, yeah. with a couple lines, a couple sprinklers, just just enough that you can do like a decent size setup for like basically that first twenty you know first kind of twenty four hours. The extra assistance is always coming. Like if, yeah. if it's going to be a massive event like we just just had here, all of that's coming. So we don't need all of it. Look at that. We just got a small amount. Even that host we protected that one night. Um, I got surrounded. Mm -hmm. um, first thing we did when we pulled up, I threw a ladder and I climbed on the roof with a like they had sprinklers sitting there with a, yeah. a hose 
And yeah. they, they had it out in the field, kind of doing something. I mean, it wasn't really doing much. No. So I went and grabbed it, put it on the roof on top of their chimney, and then just put a like rock on it to pin it down. And then we cranked up the pressure a little bit, and then actually covered their whole, yeah, like their whole roof line was covered, and it was running on their, uh, like it was covering kind of the outer area for the, um, for the ember ember storm that may have came and never yeah. did come, but um, it was like one sprinkler, yeah, mm-hmm. and it covered a lot. And then the thought was, if we lost power, because you know that pump obviously runs the power, so if we lost power, we we could unhook that sprinkler and just hook it to our Tie in one of our portal pumps yeah. that we have and just run it off our bladder. Yeah, because it was it was by you know we we started it as soon as we got there and we were probably there for eight hours before the fire actually came and surrounded us, mm-hmm. and it was like um, the whole ground was soaked. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know or if sprinklers are expensive, but even if we had a half a dozen or a dozen. Oh, and sure. a couple of portable pumps and yeah. bladders. I mean, we're just trying to protect some of the key. Well, the thing is, like, I, I, you know, even just reading this about uh, some stuff, you know, it creates a humidity bubble. Yeah, yeah. and that's the, the trick is you want a humidity bubble. You want to get those sprinklers started prior, yeah. so it has time to build that relative humidity, yeah. and that just affects everything. It's the same thing when the guys are doing all the back burns, right? So they laid a sprinkler line, yeah. uh, had that going for a while before. Yeah. And then it just creates that, that RH, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's it, huge. It doesn't tie up a unit. No. No, right? for sure. So now yeah. you can free up a unit to... Mm-hmm. And last year was our real first year we did that, where yeah. we were dropping yeah. tanks yeah. And, and portable pumps and going. Yeah. And it comes down to what's um, uh, defensible and what's not, right? Yeah. So it comes comes to your your <laughs> although some people are there some people's version of defensible and our version of defensible are two different oh, things. No, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but that's where that's where the, the courses are great yeah. because it gets you really thinking, okay, well, you know what how what are we gonna actually deploy for resources? Yeah. Um, you know, is this is this worthwhile to deploy something to defend or no pay hey, yeah. that's yeah. that could be a lost cause. We'll try and get to it if we can with some bump and run stuff. Yeah. But we're not gonna drop a bladder and stuff. It's mm-hmm. you know, that bladder and lines could do these two houses over here rather than one. So that's yeah, what absolutely. comes back to that structure. You know, the more triage. you know about it, the more you can triage. Although, yeah, I feel all those houses that we protected would probably be considered unprotectable by some people, right. by, by BC Forestry standards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah those, like those yeah, houses right. the first night, they would yeah. all be considered that was like, gonna be a loss. Un- unprotectable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, we'll just hold it around. We have <laughs> we have this truck. We have all of this, yeah. 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 And, and, I, and I think we've talked about that before. I think that's where the kind of the disconnect between the forestry and the, and the yeah. municipal departments are, um, they need like, I don't know, they need a better like joining of the systems. Yes. Because it, it seems like the municipal guys slide into the forestry, okay, but the forestry guys don't tend to slide to the municipal side very much. Right. <laughs> like it's usually like the municipal guys slide over to forestry and the forestry kind of dictates what they want us to do. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't go the other way that often. It doesn't go like the forestry guys slide into the municipal and be like, hey, what can you guys actually do for us? Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, maybe it's happening now, but it's... Mm-hmm. It's taken quite some time. Well, I think there's talk too in BC Forestry right now. They're looking to make some changes, and yep. they're looking to go yep. more full time. Yeah, they're going full time year round now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe with that, they can get some, you know, bridging, you know, between the agencies, right? right? Some mm-hmm. major task force. Who knows, right? Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. So we got there's actually a symposium. The symposium is coming up um, in April. We're gonna send some people too. There's an engine boss course, which is, I don't know. I always think that's a funny word. Yeah. <laughs> the engine boss. <laughs> <laughs> There's that boss and leader thing, like a boss. Yeah. Like tells people what to do, and the leader leads them. Yeah. Like, and we're literally calling people the engine boss. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I having been the engine boss last year. Were you an engine boss for a while? No. No, you were in the back seat. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not a like. I wasn't there when it was kicking off super crazy, but you know, um, it's not a crazy hard job. It's it's basically you're a captain. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know why they need a whole new term for it. <laughs> you're the you're the captain of the truck. It's uh, it's the same idea, but there's some there's some sides to it, like understanding the um, the command system for forestry, um, understanding the some of the sprinkler stuff, mm-hmm. um, understanding the bump and run. It, it is definitely a different mind mindset because you're not fighting structure fires. You're you're trying to plan ahead of things. Yeah. Right. And you're trying to keep your guys so they're not going off. And you're definitely, you're basically the safety guy too. So you're not, you definitely have to be detached. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, a hard thing. So you have to stay detached. And I, I noticed that when I was at Engine Boss up in, uh, when we were helping with a white, white rock flyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. White Lake. White Lake. White Rock. White, white Rock. I don't know what it's called. 
White something. White, white rock yeah. lake. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> white, <laughs> We're white all right. <laughs> um, I would get out slower, like we, we do drills, and I would purposely make myself like stop, wait for the air break, talk on the radio, do my thing, get out slower. And I've actually noticed that now on most fires, I'm starting to get out of the truck slower, not yeah. just because I'm old. But I'm getting out of the truck slower. <laughs> I kind of dial in my uh, wind windshield surveys, and yeah. um, even if there's officers already on scene, I'll, I'll take a little extra time. I know I don't have to be the first guy to pail off the truck anymore. And no, <laughs> start pulling no, holes. Sure. Yeah, so there's stuff like that you learn, I guess, in the engine boss and a bunch of paperwork stuff. Yeah, I think there's a pretty heavy admin portion yeah. of that key, mm-hmm. right? You know, and when you first hear about it, you're like, "Ooh, that's pretty daunting." But and it's actually pretty basic paperwork. There's, you know, there's a few things you have to remember to fill out, and if you kind of stand on it, it's pretty easy. A um, couple notes for the day and um, just some time slips and stuff. So, yeah. But that nice. is how we get paid, so you have to make sure you do it. got to make sure you do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sweet. Well, if we don't have any more. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, has some pretty decent stuff in there, I guess. We'll mosey on to shout outs. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. I mean, some of us just came off holidays and they're still pretty tired. Oh, I told you guys, yeah, she mentioned the lifeguard check. That's pretty sweet. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so I was at the resort in Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there and I was near one of the life, because it was a pretty big resort, so it's got like Lazy River and like four pools. So there's probably, I'm going to say there's probably 20 lifeguards kicking around. Mm-hmm. And none of it's like extreme lifeguarding. It's like, you know, you could stand them like an adult could stand up in most of the pools, right. <laughs> like without being their head under the water. <laughs> so, so it's you know that little kid kind of rescue stuff and like yeah. nothing crazy. But um, I'm sure, most of it's probably liquor. <laughs> no, uh, well, it's a, it's a. I mean, it's the Disney Resort, so it's very. Um, uh, there's very really fat, there's really no one. I wouldn't say I saw anybody really intoxicated there. Oh, okay. So it's a lot of kids. Um, yeah. But, you know, kids, you know, get in trouble and parents sure. aren't looking. And yep. So I was sitting in uh, one of the uh, chairs near the, near the lifeguard station, and um, all of a sudden I hear, like, the whistle blast, and he dives in. I'm like, what the? <laughs> and he grabs his, like, adult male and picks him up out of the water. I'm like, what is going on? And then you look back, and there's actually someone who uh, was standing behind the uh, lifeguard. So the lifeguard couldn't see this, standing behind him with a sign up that said, lifeguard test in progress, so everyone saw um, and I, I, I'm assuming as he dove in to grab the guy, he must have realized it was also a test. Yeah. But the speed of what she did it was it was pretty crazy. Like it was like all of a sudden just boom in, grabbed him out, and then everyone kind of gave him yeah good job. They did a little, they did a little check mark and they yep. carried on. <laughs> the poor guy's like sitting there because it was actually um, it was pretty cloudy at that one point, and so the guy's like freezing, like he's like uh-huh. serving no towel. So then uh, we gave him a towel. <laughs> nice. But uh, and then I saw it happen again. So it was pretty cool because mm-hmm. they're just constantly testing these guys because they are. I mean, it's probably fairly boring. Right. It's not very active. What are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. An, it's not a very active um, oh, environment. Other than kids everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'll show you guys later. Ties up to something. Alright. Anyways, that was it. <laughs> Sweet. Alright. Modus. Rob. Hi, my name's Rob. I'm with the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. <laughs> and I, oh yeah, sorry. Ah, that was earlier. Today. That was earlier, yeah. <laughs> uh Modus. Uh I got to take part in uh photo shoot with those guys that uh some of their products. So it was kinda mm-hmm. cool. Um Pocket organizer. May as well talk about that. We were doing a yeah. quick review on that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, check out Modus. They've got the pocket organizer for the snagger, for the wedges, for your mini spanners. Any of those tools that they sell will fit throughout that pocket organizer with room to spare. Yeah. Um, again, their claim to fame is the snagger tools. So definitely get your hands on one of those. They are fantastic. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, check out their website. They've got lots of other products and... Uh, resources there that uh, uh, fantastic fantastic products beauty and if you like what you see on their website uh, discount code DTFF5 is going to get you 5% off uh, Todd stop the bleed stop the bleed uh, three methods of uh, major hemorrhage control is direct pressure 
uh, wound packing and tourniquet application. Uh, like we always say, make sure you have good quality tourniquets, not the ones from Wish. And um, yeah, go online, uh, check out our YouTubes on there as well. So we have, we put a, Scott and I put a uh, kind of a course content together, uh, kind of from the instructor point of view. And, um, you know, make it, make it high value, right? Like we want that, that high fidelity sims, make it as interesting as possible, do it as practical as possible. Um, and cycle in that stuff with your regular practice as well. It's just, it's uh, very beneficial. And for any uh, sort of stop the bleed products as well, go to um, rescuecentrals.com. A uh, whole variety of kits. So there you can build your own IFAC, uh, you can buy fully loaded ones, uh, and they got a whole variety of supplies. Uh, so stopthebleed.org. Perfect. Uh, Scott, tell us about Tanner Olson. Actually, you just got a hold of us the other day. Mm -hmm. um, doing some shows. Did I lose it? I know where I went. <laughs> Anyways, he was asking about, he's going to be doing some shows in our area and up the valley um, in BC in general. Uh, uh, what did he say? A few small shows in Western Canada. Asking about our seminar. I said, unfortunately, it's not um, not a go this year. Mm. Hopefully next year. Unless we get nuked. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> so yeah, we're not going to get nuked. So. Yeah. <laughs> the non-nuke is yeah. Uh, promising. Yeah, it's definitely promising. <laughs> yeah, country music out of West Coast Canada. Oh yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, he's not just yeah. some guy. Yeah. He's just a fellow that was chatting to us. Yeah. Uh, check him out on all the streaming platforms. Uh, yeah. And then lastly, you have us. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook, YouTube, like Todd was saying. We've got some training stuff. We've got some Stop the Bleed um, and other funny videos, I guess. we got Instagram and TikTok. Uh, give us a like, share, subscribe um, on all those platforms. It just helps get us in front of more people. Uh, and we appreciate that. <sighs> Any more funny more from you guys? Well, let's wrap her up. Good. Scott, Thanks, everybody. Todd, Good night. Rob. Night. Good night. There it is. <laughs> I just jumped right on that. Yeah. Good night. Try to get home or something? <laughs> Places to be. No. That's right. Doing something over there. Yeah, what are you up to? I don't really trust him. Don't worry about it. All right. I'm a little worried about it. Thank you. As always, stay safe. Stay away from Todd. Stay DJ. <laughs>